football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Been waiting all week for the opportunity to get back on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs in college football and the NFL. And it's great to be with you off a tremendous weekend last weekend for Three Dog Thursday. Not one, not two, not three, six successful college football underdogs from this show last week, plus two more in the NFL The host goes three for three. My analysts, my handicappers come in and give you five other underdogs in college football in the NFL. That's why we love what we do. And hopefully you were paying attention uh, to the likes of Tulsa getting the outright win against UCF or Illinois doing the same on the road with Michigan State. Uh, Yes, Alabama victorious at LSU. Western Kentucky victorious at Arkansas. And on and on down the list, I had Florida State at Boston College. even had the Seahawks on Monday night with the 49ers. Love the underdog and love what it stands for. And we get a chance to bring it to you here on Three Dog Thursday. Cannot do this alone. So we will enlist the help of some others uh, here, as always, to make some predictions. Familiar voices. Chris Giannini will be here coming up from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Love he and Gary Seeger's insight on all things. On their show, they go over favorites, underdogs, uh, totals, under-overs, things such as that. I'm looking exclusively for underdogs from Chris, and he's got some interesting ones. We're going to talk some college football playoff rankings with him. Uh, as well as the underdogs and how it all mixes and matches. He's even got a thought on an NFL underdog as well. Uh, Up right after that, Jason Cole. I love his insight as a national NFL writer, longtime writer, Bleacher Report, Yahoo Sports as a national NFL writer, uh, as well as uh, doing a bunch of work in South Florida uh, with some local papers there. Now writing for the website Florida Football Insiders. And uh, Jason had some interesting takes on uh, Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know where uh, my allegiance lies with uh, the Buccaneer radio broadcast that I am part of. But Jason's got his own opinions about the Bucs and what they should do or should not do with Jameis Winston. Plus, what's going on with the Miami Dolphins? Because they had been losing, losing, losing. Now they've won back-to-back games, seemingly messing up their plan to get the number one overall pick. And in Jacksonville, Nick Foles is back And Nick Foles off the bye week will be playing against the Colts. And I really like the Jaguars on the road against Indianapolis for Three Dog Thursday purposes. So we'll hear Jason Cole talk more about that game. Uh, Then up after that, Brian Edwards here from MajorWager.com and Brian Edwards Sports. All he did last week is peg both Illinois and LSU. Illinois, which was down 20-plus points in the fourth quarter, comes back to win Brian Edwards had them, and he also had those Bayou Bengals. He kept saying to us last week that he loved them on the road here with the points at Alabama, and uh, Joe Burrow and company delivered, and LSU now the number one team in the college football playoffs. So I'll get Brian's thoughts on the playoff rankings, get some more underdogs for him. I'll give you a quick preview. He likes a Thursday night dog in both uh, college and the NFL, uh, and and they both involve the same city, 
even though one's playing in the city and the other is a road team from that city. I'll let Brian Edwards explain more from MajorWager.com. Then we will close out the show from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Ryan Kramer is here. Sean Green is usually with me from the Sports Gambling Podcast out in Los Angeles. Those guys uh, break it down with their show on everything from the spreads. They have fantasy shows, daily fantasy shows, and they do multiple sports, not just football, but basketball, baseball, all of it with the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows. Ryan Kramer will be here with some underdogs in college football and the NFL. Ryan, in fact, he and I kind of agree on a college dog uh, that uh, that seems to be very attractive, a little bit of a surprising line. Ryan likes one of the service academies, and you'll hear more about the conversation of that underdog and the other ones that he likes as well a little bit later on in the show. A reminder that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. If you're going to any of these games this weekend, that Auburn-Georgia game that I mentioned, how about Baylor on uh, on game day, ESPN's college game day coming to Baylor. It's the primetime game as they play against Oklahoma Saturday night if you're going to that one or any of these other contests that are going Michigan, Michigan State that we're going to talk about uh, on the show, uh, or any of the other matchups uh, that will be uh, getting underway on a college football Saturday, move over to the NFL. That Patriots-Eagles game, uh, if you like that one. I'm working Buccaneers and Saints in Tampa. The Sunday night game is the Rams and the Bears. For any of those games, get your tickets on the secondary market, Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. You want to use them. It'll take less than five minutes for you to sign up and make a secure purchase, 100% customer satisfaction guaranteed. Your purchase is secure through Vivid Seats and take advantage of a promo code offer that we have. You can get a 10% off, up to 10% off your order with the promo code THURSDAY10 for Three Dog Thursday. THURSDAY10 takes 10% off uh, from Vivid Seats up to $50 off your initial order. So if you're a first-time user, go to the Vivid Seats mobile app, sign up in any of these different events, college football, the NFL, they've got it all. The NBA is now starting up. Uh, what uh, College basketball also underway. Any sport, the NHL, use that promo code THURSDAY10. It's good off your first-time order with Vivid Seats for your tickets. And again, they're proud sponsors of Three Dog Thursday. It's Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. He is leading things off in the batting order for this week from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Love Chris Giannini's work. He and Gary Seegers do a great job with their show. They're gracious to have me around. And now we're trying to to sort it all out, especially in college football, mix it up with some underdogs, with some college football playoff talk. Uh, Chris, I cannot see you at the moment, but I believe you still have the ear-to-ear grin because you're an LSU guy and you're still living off of 46-41 LSU over Alabama Saturday. How are you? I'm doing well, and yes, it's been a uh, fantastic weekend and a good first part of the week. Um, it this is this is eight years coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you get you get picked on, you get beat up for a long time. You, you start to get a little PTSD, and uh, and now I'm going to tell you after that game, I felt like LSU dominated every aspect of it. Alabama scored on a couple of fluky plays to uh, make it even look close, and this is one of those opportunities where I won't be afraid if they get back in the playoffs. We'll play that team on a neutral site any day, anywhere. I think we're the better football team. Well, and they they have looked like it all year. 
And and Joe Burrow uh, looks every bit the part of a Heisman Trophy winner after that kind of a mega game in, in front of that kind of an audience. Long way still to go because you've got to win the West. You've got to obviously win the SEC and then get into that playoff. But right now, looking good uh, for LSU. And, and of course, uh, a couple of our uh, prognosticators loved LSU last week and getting those points and it turned out to to be correct. So let's kind of segue that into the most recent college football playoff rankings. And I, I say this every year on this podcast and elsewhere. You have to operate, Chris, you know this. I'm saying this to the audience. You have to operate from the premise they want the arguing. They want the screaming. It fuels the interest in the games the following weekend and the whole process of the next week and the championship weekend. They want to fuel this with arguing and disagreeing agreement i don't think anybody should disagree with lsu being number one with vaulting to number one after the alabama win especially with the texas road win with the auburn win you can't argue with that but then you you look at georgia sliding in first clemson slides in at three and georgia slides in with a loss at four in front of the likes of alabama and oregon and some of the others that are up there with one loss that was a bit shocking. All right, there's my take, your take on the latest rankings reveal, reveal number two of this year. What about it? So for the top four especially, I think the committee got it exactly right. I always value big wins over a big loss. Um, I think you start looking at the quality of losses when you're splitting hairs. But there is nobody in the country outside of LSU that has two bigger wins than Notre Dame and Florida. There's just not. Ohio State has one big win. That's it. That's the list. Clemson has zero. Bama has zero. So I think with the two big wins that that, uh, Georgia has on their resume um, and an opportunity to get a third, uh, they are the deserving spot of the the fourth spot. I know that – that the loss is the worst loss in the country to every one-loss team. I mean, it just is. But nobody else has a resume of wins, and I always like looking at wins better than looking at losses. Well, and it's going to play out this way. It would appear that if LSU is undefeated, and they likely will be going into that championship game, and Georgia has won out and they have one loss, then it's one of two scenarios where you're likely going to get two SEC teams in the playoff Either Georgia's going to win the game and LSU may very well still get in as the fourth team with one loss or LSU's going to win the game. And if Alabama's won out, they're very likely going to slide in because they're Alabama, Chris. I know we're in the SEC and we could be accused of being biased in the SEC markets in the South. But to me, that's a very realistic scenario right now that if Alabama has only one loss, Georgia gets to the championship game with one loss, LSU is undefeated, you're going to get two SEC teams in the playoffs. That's what they're laying the groundwork for. Yeah, the one team that can mess all of this up is Auburn, and uh, we don't need to count our chickens yet because Auburn-Georgia this weekend, the Iron Bowl will be the last weekend of the year. Both of those games are in the plains at Auburn. And uh, they could they could beat both those teams a couple of years back. They did beat both those teams, and they kind of beat the crap out of both those teams. And realistically, one more factor, and you're about to talk about Baylor a little bit more. If Baylor runs the table, 
if either Ohio State or Minnesota runs the table, and if Clemson runs the table and they're all unbeaten, they are not keeping a Power 5 unbeaten out of the college football playoffs. So that's the other scenario uh, where where the one-loss teams lose out is that either Ohio State, Minnesota finishes unbeaten, Clemson unbeaten, Baylor unbeaten. They're not being left out, Chris. we got to put that out there right now in the middle of November. Oh, not going not to happen. And, and there's a really good chance that a one-loss – so everyone says, well, the committee's made it clear in the past that conference champions don't matter. But but then as soon as they've done that, and that was like the first or second year they did the college playoffs, it was the year that Ohio State got in right. in, in some weird fluky manner. And then the next year Alabama got in in some weird fluky manner. But after that, they kind of made it clear, okay, we need to make uh, conference championships matter more. So just because in the first couple of years they didn't count it, the last couple they have counted it. And, and, and I do think that even – a one-loss Baylor team. If Baylor loses this weekend but then beats Oklahoma um, and, and continues to win out, I, I think there's going to be a pull and a push to say, hey, you know, we got to give them a nod. Or the same thing with, with Utah or, uh, or Oregon. My biggest problem with Utah or Oregon is, is neither one of them are going to have a big win on their entire record except for the one game they play against each other. Uh, because their best win, they both have the same win, which is Washington, and that's a four-loss football team, and right. it could finish a five-loss football team after the Apple Cup is over. Could be. So, well, but you look at like you I look said, at uh, okay, we're parsing things, and so you're going to talk about Baylor in a second. But Baylor's out of conference schedule is terrible. So the, oh, I mean, I the committee, it. the committee, and you know this, the committee's looking strongly at how are you going to do against Oklahoma this weekend? How will you do in a Big Twelve championship game if you have only one loss? That schedule may kill Baylor. It probably will kill Baylor uh, and their, here, and their so chances. This is, this is the one thing that I want to defend on that. Okay. Yes, I hate their out-of-conference schedule, but you have to look at their whole schedule. You can't just parse parts of it and say, look how bad these games are, because their entire body of work is still better than anything Clemson has played, because Clemson has a, Oklahoma State would be the best team Clemson's played all year. Iowa State would be the best team Clemson's played all year. And so they still have wins over those teams, and we don't knock Clemson, we don't kill them. So we, we have to judge everybody the same way. That, that's my only thing is, yes, they played Rice and, and some other nobodies in non-con, but they're still, if they go through this, they're still going to have to have at least one win against Ohio, Oklahoma. They're going to have to beat Texas. They did beat TCU, yep. Iowa State, Kansas State, and, and Oklahoma State. So those are, those are all really good wins. Looking better and better. Okay, so that's a perfect segue into your underdogs. Chris Giannini, Winning Cures Everything podcast with me. He and Gary Seegers uh, light it up every week on their podcast and YouTube show. So give me uh, the rationale because I already knew which way you were going. Baylor Bears at home, ESPN game day, pregame show is going to be there. You guys in Memphis had game day there for the Memphis Tigers and SMU a couple of weeks ago. Now it's coming to Waco for Baylor and Oklahoma and you like the Baylor Bears uh, getting a lot of points. I love the Baylor Bears. I think this is the most disrespect I've seen the team get from Vegas in a long time. Um, Oklahoma coming in at a double-digit favorite when Oklahoma hasn't beaten anybody by double digits in the last couple of weeks. These are far inferior teams than Baylor. I, I, don't, I don't know what this says. I don't know what we're supposed to do with this. Also, Oklahoma last week, 
against Iowa State. Iowa State is your typical Big 12 football team, okay? They throw the football. They run the football. They're an all-offensive team, and every now and then they'll stand up and play a couple of good quarters of defense, but that's it. They played a great second half of defense where they hit Oklahoma in the face, and Oklahoma fell two pieces. Thankfully, they had a massive lead, and, uh, and, and they didn't give it up, and they finally held on for the victory at the end. But I'm going to tell you, Baylor – Baylor's not going to hit you in the face one quarter or two quarters. They're going to play this whole game. This is the toughest defense Oklahoma's going to play all year long. And when they got hit by uh, Iowa State last week, they turned the ball over and they kind of started falling all to pieces. If they do that against this Baylor team that takes the ball away from everybody, they're going to lose and they're going to get beat. They're going to get beat bad. We've seen three schools now, all three, get a game day. They've either never gotten a game day or it just doesn't happen very often there. These are going to be the biggest atmospheres. Memphis got it. Memphis team showed up, put a show on for national TV. Um, uh, Minnesota just got it. Yep. They put a show on for national TV. It wasn't game day, but it was the biggest game in Minnesota history. This is one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game in Baylor history. Being undefeated this late in the season, having the biggest bully of the conference come in, and, and you're being disrespected by everybody. Game day is going to be there. I think Baylor wins this game outright. I think they beat up wow. Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't want to play this game. I promise you. And you look at the Sooners' defense. Kansas State exposed them, especially with a mobile quarterback. And Iowa State in that second half exposed them. Yes, they can score with Hurts. Ten points, a lot of points. I, I'm liking I'm liking that Baylor pick more and more now that I look at it for Three Dog Thursday purposes. All right, moving along, you've got another college game here, but it's not necessarily a Power Five. Who do you like? Oh, it's a Power Six. I'm an American guy. Come on. <laughs> We're Memphis. We, yeah. We've got to stand up for the American. I love the American Conference. It's a great conference. If you're not watching this football, watch it. This game will be on ESPNU. You need to find it. Spend some time here. Tulane at Temple. Willie Fritz and what he's done at Tulane is incredible. They are putting up points in bunches. That offense looks unbelievable. They're very explosive. But let's not get carried away and let's not get too crazy. Temple is a different team at home. Memphis's one loss is they went to Temple, yep. and Temple took the ball away four times. And every time they took the ball away, they capitalized, they scored, and Memphis could not get away from them. It will not shock me if they do the same thing to Tulane. This game opened up at like three and a half. Yesterday it moved to four. Late yesterday evening it moved to six. It's still six. And everybody is piling on Tulane. Everybody's getting on this Willie Fritz hype train. And I love the guy. What he's doing down there in New Orleans is spectacular. But Temple is a different football team at home. You give me plus six, I get the home team. I think they got a shot to win the football game. I'm riding with the Temple Owls. This is a tough, tough football team. Well, and I saw some of them right here in my market. They played USF in the Thursday night game a week ago. Uh, and they just smothered the Bulls' offense. USF could not run the football. Great performance by Temple held USF to seven points and won the game. And you mentioned the Memphis win, too, is looking better and better. It's the Tigers' only loss. So that's a fascinating noon Eastern time game in Philadelphia, Temple and Tulane uh, for that one. Hey, one more. You mentioned Georgia. You mentioned Auburn. And it's a heavyweight fight every week, it seems like, in the SEC. I'm really liking Auburn at home, and you guys on the Winning Cures Everything podcast, Chris, have the stat. You rarely get Auburn as a home doggy. 
They are they are what eight and two in their last ten outings under Gus Malzahn as a home underdog, including having won four straight as a home underdog. It's rare, and I'm strongly looking at Auburn to maybe upset Georgia, and then Georgia's out of the argument for the college football playoff. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. I really like Auburn as well. This is a great Auburn team. I I was fortunate enough to be on them all season. Gary and I always kind of go at each other all the time because Gary is very much a wait-and-see kind of guy. And I always tell him the problem with waiting and seeing Gary is by the time you come around, all the value is gone. And everybody in the country is on them. And, and I was on Auburn from week one. They covered for me so many weeks early on. And, uh, and they're a great play. They're a great football team. Their defensive front is incredible. Georgia's missing their, their center. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When centers go out on the offensive line, it's not like losing a, another piece of the offense. That guy touches the ball every snap. It matters. It affects the quarterback. And this, this is a defensive front seven that you don't want to be missing offensive linemen on. You just don't. They gave LSU and Joe Burrow the biggest fight they've ever had. And, and this is, you know, I think Gus Malzahn's going to have that offense better every week. They're, they're progressively, they're not a great team offensively, but they're getting better. And, uh, yeah, I like Auburn's chances here on the Plains against anybody. Well, and you talked about how they can mess it up for Georgia and potentially mess it up for Alabama, almost like elimination games for the end of the Auburn season, both at home. We'll see if that's the case. That's the CBS national game all over the country, 3.30 Eastern time. We can't promise that it will be like LSU and Alabama last week, but it should still be wild in that matchup. All right, so there's the college football. That means you've got one underdog for the NFL slate for this weekend. Give me that underdog. Who do you like, where, and why? This goes against my the biggest instinct that I have in all of football. I, I always usually go with the other team here in the sense of if one team lost really, really badly, and we all like them and think they're a great team. And the other team we think is a blah, okay team and just one big. I always go with the team that lost the previous week because I feel like the entire country's off of them. I, I think that is, that is wrong this week. I'm going out to L.A., going out to, to the Chicago, coming out on the road. I think the Chicago offense is fine. I think that Rams' defense is not good, and they will put up points. And just enough to, to make it matter. This Rams offense is a problem. Cooper Cup's best player on that field last week got zero catches, completely blank. They were missing their center last week. They're also now, coming into this week, going to miss that center and two other starting offensive linemen. They have not put any draft capital or any free agent money into building that offensive line over the last couple of years. And guess what? They're out of draft capital, and they're out of free agent money for the future. I think this Rams team, they, they blew their wad last year on, on make going for it all. I think they tried to get Jalen Ramsey thinking they could make a run this year, and, and I, I think they're going to miss. Well, Goff, I will say this, Goff was under pressure a bunch last week, and Pittsburgh took advantage of that, and that's what Chicago does well, and that's kind of what you're saying, rush the quarterback, pressure him uh, into mistakes, that's what you're looking for on Sunday night at the Coliseum? Absolutely. I think the Bears win this game outright. I really do. I, I think they're getting things right, and I think the Rams are going backwards, and they're going backwards fast. All right, we'll see what happens uh, in that matchup. Chicago getting the six and a half for Sunday night football. 
We love the guys at Winning Cures Everything. Chris Giannini, give the plug on where they can find the podcast slash YouTube simulcast of your show because the audience needs to know more about it. Go ahead. Yeah, just go to winningcureseverything.com. You can find us on any podcast app at Winning Cures Everything. We're at Winning Cures Everything on YouTube. Find us there. We appreciate all the people checking us out. And uh, you can follow us at Winning Cures um, on Twitter. And then you can follow me at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. So. There's all the plugs for social media. Go to winningcureseverything.com to find out more. And Chris goes again with Temple early on Saturday against Tulane in Philadelphia. The Baylor Bears in the big marquee primetime game on ABC against Oklahoma getting 10 points. He likes them to maybe win that game outright. And then the Chicago Bears Sunday night football on NBC against the Rams. Will the Rams get their act back together? Chris doesn't think so. And that the Bears will be able to pull the win. We'll see what happens with those underdogs. Chris, as always, I love being on with you guys. Thank you and Gary for popping on with me on Three Dog Thursday. Good luck with your underdogs, my friend. Thank you, sir. We do roll on. It is Three Dog Thursday. Great to be with a guy that you're going to know, that you're going to recognize. Does a fantastic job uh, writing up everything going on with Florida football. You you remember him from BleacherReport.com, YahooSports.com as a national football writer. Also, longtime career in South Florida, writing about the Dolphins and the NFL. Now with FloridaFootballInsiders.com. Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, has written a bunch of different books. I could go on and on about Jason Cole, who joins me now here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. How are you? Thanks it's all beautiful. Good to be here. Always, uh, always enjoy talking with you. So uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to toot my own horn. So I think people would rather they would rather they would rather. <laughs> yes, uh, I I will toot enough for both of us. And and speaking of not tooting. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know where my allegiance lies as part of the Buccaneers radio broadcast. Clutch win against Arizona. Not everything is solved, but it snaps the losing streak. They were far from tooting on Sunday. They were playing well. But you have written on FloridaFootballInsiders.com coming off of that game. You're just you're not sold. In fact, you are now done. You're now convinced that Jameis Winston is not going to work out in Tampa Bay and needs to be somewhere else. Tell me more about that. Well, I looked at the two interceptions, and I thought, if we were talking about a rookie quarterback or a guy who's in the second year who's still learning, I would say, okay, I, I get it. Uh, guy makes a mistake. Uh, guy's showing a little bit of guts to throw in the middle and try and complete it, and he's gotta, he'll learn, I can't make that throw. We're talking year five. We're talking about a guy who leads the league in turnovers. And as much as people want to blame the Buccaneers – defense for all of their woes. When your quarterback turns the ball over that much, you put an inordinate amount of pressure on that defense that's already not very good. And that's you know, that's part of your problem. Okay. And you cannot tell me the guy leads the league for five years and is having his worst turnover season ever this year. And is throwing some of the passes that he's throwing and that looks and tell me that that's progress. It's regression. And at this point in time, if he's not going to get it by now, he's never going to get it, at least in this environment. He may need to go somewhere else and, you know, learn some uncomfortable lessons or 
take a really cheap, make good contract. Like you, know, you pay him an eight or $10 million base and you, know, you give him a big upside on the contract and see what happens. But if you're talking about franchising this guy, no way. If you're talking about giving him a long-term deal, no way. I have not seen a guy get better. And I, and I realize the Buccaneers history at quarterback and how they've never signed a guy and it's ugly. I get it. Traded away Steve Young. You know, we can go back 40 years, and this has been bad. You can include Doug Williams, Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. 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 I mean, you Culverhouse did not exactly establish a great tradition at quarterback, and unfortunately that tradition has not been broken by the Glazer family either, um, despite their best efforts. Um, But I cannot in good conscience pay this guy with the kind of mistakes that he's making. And I know people are going, well, we'll look at Brett Favre. If you look at Brett Favre's first five years in the league, it was not this. If the people look at, you know, Andrew Luck, who had some turnover problems, the, the stats aren't even close. Okay. And so I move on um, with the slight open door of, look, Jameis, if you want to stay, you want to stay on a short-term contract that's all, you know, incentive-based and you want to try and make this work, and I'll let you hit free agency and get back into the marketplace again right away and you know, do right by you if you want to do this, then I'll think about it. But if you're talking about you want you know, a five-year, $110 million contract or whatever the numbers look like, I pass. I just hard, hard pass. Voice of Jason Cole with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Love his insight. Now, the Saints come into Tampa this week. Buccaneers, a home underdog, trying to make it back-to-back wins. And New Orleans really uh, shook up and beaten decisively by lowly Atlanta last week. So now the Buccaneers have a chance to put back-to-back games together. And you know that all of that being said about Winston, they, this team has offense. Doesn't it have a puncher's chance here in this rematch? The Saints beat the Bucks earlier this year with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback in the Superdome. Now Breeze in there. Don't the Bucks have a puncher's chance, Jason? Well, they always have a puncher's chance because they have tools, right? I mean, look, you know, despite what I just said about Jameis Winston, he's incredibly gifted, right? So he can come out. And have, you know, this 110, 120 passer rating game for four touchdowns and, you know, maybe one interception or, you know, something like that. And he can have a fabulous game. And in addition, he's got, um, you know, when you've got Godwin and Evans and some of the other weapons that they have, like, you can score on people. Um, but, you know, I just, I just look at this and I say, you know, this is a Saints team that has a really good defense. They've turned things around significantly from a couple of years ago. And, yeah, they're ticked off because they waste a game. And nothing wakes up a team more than a loss, like an embarrassing loss like that, to the Atlanta Falcons. So, to me, um, this is a buzzsaw game. They're walking into a buzzsaw. They're capable of contending with that buzz- buzzsaw because of their talent. But... I would say that this is the kind of game where Jameis is going to be tested. They're, they're going to go after Jameis pretty hard and try and see if they can get uh, you know two or three turnovers out of him. All right, moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who you also write about on FloridaFootballInsiders.com. You've covered that franchise for a while. Oh, looky here. Back-to-back wins for them after an awful, horrendous 0-7 start. What happened to tanking for Tua and trying to lose as much as possible for the highest draft pick possible 
Uh, part of that whole game plan is you don't start winning games at the end, which they've now won a couple. They've got Buffalo coming this week as the opponent. What's going on down in Miami with a, with a couple of, uh, of victories here going outside of the plan to tank? No, but I would say there are a couple things in play here. Um, I don't think that tanking for Tua is necessarily as important because some of the luster has come off of Tua. And I also think that with Herbert up in Oregon, like looking at that going, man, that's not really what I'm thinking about. And the quarterbacks this year have not jumped off the page and say, okay, I absolutely have to have the number one pick to get one of those guys. Uh, in fact, the Ohio State kid, the d- defensive end Chase Young, is probably the, the number one overall pick, right? Um, depending on which team's going to be at. Well, obviously, Joe Burrow, though, had a great performance last week, and he looks like he might be the guy that could be the first overall or the second overall uh, pick in this scenario. Uh, but by, and, and by the same token, the Dolphins could end up third or fourth, and Tua could still be sitting there in this scenario. But it just doesn't follow the pattern here if you're going for Justin Herbert or or for one of the other quarterbacks if, if you're going to end up fourth or fifth by winning a couple of other games in this scenario right so if we want to take this back to just the Dolphins look I think the Dolphins are sitting there going you know, we're, we're not as bad as we thought we were we were going through a typical Patriots transition Flores has an idea he's kept those guys fighting and I like that I like the fact that he's kept those guys in it. It shows me that he has a power of personality that can keep a team going. Because those guys don't have a lot to play for. Most of those guys know that they're not going to be there next year. And he's somewhat how getting those guys to buy into what he's selling. So I like that. I'm not a big believer in the you know tank you know idea of going 1-15 or 0-16 or any of that kind of stuff. And obviously, they were really embarrassing early in the season. All that said, um, I'll take the I would I will take the victories to believe in what you're what you're trying to accomplish, but make sure that you all of a sudden don't put yourself in the in the six to ten category, because then all of a sudden you you are having to mortgage yourself to get in a position to take one of those elite star players, you know whether that's Tua, whether that's Burrow. I don't believe in Herbert at all. Um, you know, when you have bad stats when you're under pressure, that tells me that you really can't play. So I would, you know, win a few games, but do follow the plan to a certain extent. I guess that's what I, that's what I would say, and that's a really tough balancing act for them. Well, and the and the Bengals are going to basically lose out, be zero and sixteen or one and fifteen. They are god awful, and the Dolphins actually play them in December and could put yet another loss on them and get yet another win. So Cincinnati looks like a lock to be the number one pick and be looking to take one of the quarterbacks. Cincinnati's never winning a game. Cincinnati's never winning again in any substantial way um, with Mike Brown running the organization. I mean. You know, I made this point on Twitter, like, you're going to realize how good a coach Marvin Lewis really was. And people are like, no, he's horrible, he's horrible. I'm like, get a load of what Cincinnati has been under Mike Brown without him and with him. They they win 25% of their games with Mike Brown in charge. They won 50% of their games with Marvin Lewis. That's a heck of a job by Marvin Lewis. And look, I, I have a Memphis State education, but even I can figure out that 0 and 9 is zero winning percent. Uh, absolutely. 
It's and so, and so uh, that's the situation with the Bengals. A few more moments with Jason Cole here talking uh, some NFL football on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Find Jason on Twitter at JasonCole62, writing for FloridaFootballInsiders.com, that website, Florida-themed uh, base website. And so one more NFL team to talk about is the Jaguars come off the bye week and get ready to take on the Colts. Uh, Nick Foles going to be back for Jacksonville. We know that because Doug Marone said that before the bye week. The Colts lost to the lowly Dolphins last week at home. Still don't know if Jacoby Brissett can play at quarterback for the Colts this week. What about the Jaguars? Can they get back in the playoff hunt here with Foles back for the first time since week one? I think they can be a playoff team. Now, that that said, I think the battle for the wildcard spots in the AFC is going to be somewhere around nine and seven. So I think they can get there. Uh, I don't, you know, there's, it's not going to be a runaway now. It might be a little bit higher because you've got a couple of teams that are so bad that that's going to pump up what the records look like. But I think that that's mostly going to pump up uh, the records for say, you know, the Patriots in Baltimore, that's going to help them be, you know, 12 to 14 win teams by the time we're, we're all said and done. And even I think the, the Chiefs will come back and they'll end up with 10 or 11 victories um, despite their somewhat staggered start here. So I think that that leaves you know, wild card spots at 9 and 7, maybe 10 and 6. So if you're Jacksonville, you're in that range. And the other thing about Jacksonville, look, I realize that Houston 6 and 3 leads the division. Seems to be the best team, you know. Has Deshaun Watson, all those things. They don't scare me at all. You know, not not one tiny little bit. I think that I can, I can hang with them. Um, I I think that I can possibly win this division because somewhere along the lines are going to stumble. So you go with Nick Foles because he's the best player. And, you know, Minshew did a nice job. I mean, he was more than you could have ever expected, and he's got flashes where you say hmm, that could maybe be a starting quarterback. And so maybe after two or three years of foals, you start to make the transition to, to Minshew. Okay, I get that. See what you've got. But for right now, if you're trying to win games, and you're trying to make the playoffs and you know take advantage of the talent you have, even though you let Jalen Ramsey go, I think you, you go all in on foals because he's proven in tough games, playoff atmosphere games, late season games, he can win and he has that presence about him. It is very interesting that Minshew had played well all the way up until the London game and really the fourth quarter where he had four turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles. Would have been very interesting, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if he had played well and they had won and it would have been a fifth win for him going into the bye week. I don't know that Foles would have just been the rubber stamp, but he played poorly, made the decision easy, and so that's the way it works out for the Jaguars. They go back to the guy they paid all the money to in free agency. Well, I mean, what happened is what you expected was eventually going to happen. People figure people out. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, people, people sit there and they look at 8, 10, 12, even 16 games of a guy's career and they're like, oh, he's going to do this, this, and this. Really? Because, you know, the league tends to, like, scout you. Um, they look at you and they say, okay, here's what you don't do very well. And we're going to make you do the things that you don't do very well. Like if you watch Kyler Murray on the last two plays against Tampa Bay, or even the last three, what they make him do? They made him go to his left to try and throw. 
which, you know, you want to do to just about any quarterback, but in particular him, because he's, he's a smaller guy who doesn't have, he's got a strong arm, but he doesn't necessarily have a strong arm going that direction. So they pushed him that way. They, they realized it. Tampa realized it right away. People are going to do that to Jacksonville with Minshew. They're going to say, look, we're going to figure out what you're not good at, and we're going to make you do that. You see it with Baker Mayfield this year. They figure out that he's not really good if he has to do a lot of five and seven six drops and just sit there and try and read defenses. They take stuff away from him, and they take away first reads, second reads, make things a little bit harder, and test whether you can do it. And the question is, do you make the next adjustment after they start to take things away. And so I think that that's the question Gardner Minshew, I thought you got a preview of what that was going to be like. It would be one thing if you were not competitive. If you were two and six and you said, we need to see what Gardner Minshew is about, I get it. If you're four and four and you're right in the middle of the thick of things, you go after it and try and win. And in this case, you go with a rookie six-round quarterback who ends up winning you four games. I mean, when, when Foles went down, you were looking at a possible lost season. Now Minshew won you some games, and, and you're looking at the possibility of being in the playoff hunt yeah. with Foles back. Yeah, but you're, you're playing on house money right now you know, because, because the kid paid off, which again comes back to, okay, he showed me enough of some things. You know, the ability to look downfield when he's in traffic, to keep the, the ability to keep plays alive. I love all those things. You know, the, the accuracy and a lot of love all of that stuff. He's still got a lot to learn. And so, you know, let, let's don't, don't just throw him out there and say, okay, this is my guy. Um, understand that there are some things that he needs to get better at. Slow it down a little bit. So that is the Jags and the Colts. They'll be writing all about uh, Florida football, the NFL teams, the major college teams, FloridaFootballInsiders.com. Love Jason Cole's insight. Again, catch him on Twitter at JasonCole62, FloridaFootballInsiders.com, writing on the NFL. Always love chopping it up with you here on the podcast. Jason, thank you for the time. We'll see what happens this week with the game, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for just speculating. Still to come straight ahead, Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com will be here giving us some underdog picks. Again, he had two hits last week with Illinois and LSU. Where is he going this week for underdog purposes? Also, Ryan Kramer from the Sports Gambling Podcast will give us three underdog predictions as well. Stand by for those gentlemen coming later on in the program. A reminder that Vivid Seats is a sponsor of us here on Three Dog Thursday. Go to the Vivid Seats mobile app if you're going to any of the games in college football and the NFL trying to get your tickets. Use that Vivid Seats mobile app and use our promo code THURSDAY10. Again, if you're a first-time user, you're not you're not sure of where to go on the secondary market to get tickets to any of these games this weekend, go to Vivid Seats, download their mobile app, the Vivid Seats mobile app in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Take you less than five minutes to sign up, and you'll be ready to rock and roll with buying the tickets and use our promo code THURSDAY10 to save 10% off your initial order. First-time users up to $50 with Vivid Seats. So again, across the college football landscape, so many big-time games that are going to be going on, whether you're looking at number 1 LSU playing in Oxford uh, against Ole Miss, uh, all the way out of the Pac-12 with Utah and UCLA. Uh, any of these different games, that Baylor-Oklahoma huge showdown that ESPN and ABC will be all over for this weekend. The College Game Day show is there, the pregame show, and then ABC is showing it all over the country. 
get after it with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And again, our promo code is Thursday10 to save 10% off your order up to $50. All right, there you go. Once again, the reminder, utilize Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. He is back, and I am looking forward to the insight, to the analysis, to the underdog wisdom of Brian Edwards of BrianEdwardsSports.com and also MajorWager.com. If you put a major wager on Illinois plus the 14.5 combined with LSU plus the 6.5 that Brian Edwards was touting midweek last week for Three Dog Thursday, you cleaned up. Well done, my friend. Good to have you back. And now we have raised the bar. Now there's an expectation here from Brian Edwards after you delivered those two. Uh, what what in the name of the fighting Illini was that fourth quarter all about where they were down by, what, 27 points and came roaring back to win the game? How did you know? How did you know, Brian Edwards, to take those 14 and a half points? <laughs> It was not looking good early, and you know, like an hour before kick, their uh, Buckus Award semifinalist, Jake Hansen, the linebacker, who had not been on an injury report even so much as probable all week, was and they announced like 45 minutes to an hour before the game that he was out. I knew that was a bad sign. Michigan State jumps all over him, uh, 28 to three, and even it could have been a little worse. Lewerke threw an interception there late second quarter, and then Illinois got that bomb like on the next last play of the half, or maybe it was the last play of the half. It was look, I was thrilled to just be ahead of the number, and then when they got the pick six, I'm like, oh wow, the plus 500 is in play here. So, um, you know, it it worked out, but uh, it, it was some good fortune, I tell you, because Sparty looked really good early, and I. They were running the ball down Illinois' throat without the stud linebacker, and uh, but it worked out, so I'll take it. Well, and I, I have said this before, but not recently, not this season. I obviously have affection for Lovey Smith, having been the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the coach of the Bears uh, previously and a longtime assistant because, uh, Brian, I did his radio show for the two seasons he was in Tampa Bay, and he had two rough years where the team went 2-14. and 14. There was some concern he might be fired after only one season. And then uh, the team drafts Jameis Winston and was kind of hanging in there Winston's rookie year and lost the last four games to finish 6-10, and 10, and he got fired again. So now Lovey's been in trouble at Illinois, but they have found something, Brian. They have won four straight games, including a couple of huge games uh, for them on the road. He, he's going to go to a bowl game. He has saved his job here in the short term. What a job by Lovey Smith and Illinois. It's not going to get the attention of the college football playoff type teams, nor should it, but, but still, that's a tremendous turnaround right now for them and what they're doing in the Big Ten. No doubt, and they've still got Northwestern at home, which they'll be probably a little substantial favorite, and you know uh, they'll be an underdog at Iowa, but I think we want them to be, and I would like them to be a double-digit dog at Iowa with two weeks to prepare. Uh, who knows? Maybe hopefully they get Hanson back, the linebacker, for that one. Heck, maybe he gets an extension, at not only a reprieve from the pink slip, which he has definitely done at this point. So, yeah, good for him. 
Okay, so I mentioned college football playoff, and before we get to the underdog picks, we've already talked some about uh, the rankings. Let me just hit you with the blanket question of LSU being one now, Ohio State being two, Clemson hops in three, and Georgia at the moment is four. Your initial reaction when you saw those names in that order, Brian? Um, You know, I... Uh... I get it. Um, I thought Alabama probably should have been four. I mean, I've always been under the impression that the committee, you know, takes it as what you have done so far. In other words, um, you know, the fact that Alabama's going to play at Auburn and that will improve their strength of schedule, that doesn't count yet. I've always kind of thought that was the, the deal. Obviously, I do my power rankings based on who I would make favored over whom tomorrow on a neutral field. Now, I don't necessarily think that's how the committee should do it. Um, so I'm okay. Look, I find it a little ridiculous how not not you or the media or anybody mm-hmm. in particular, just like the fan bases just get so flipping worked up. I mean, this is gonna, <laughs> it's going to play itself out. Um, now, look, we may get some controversy at the end, but right now is not the time to be mad about it. Let, let everything play out. Let your – all your opponents in the coming weeks, their strength of schedule to be factored in, and and then let's see where we're at. But um, you know, every or or at least Alabama and Oregon really, really, really want Auburn to beat Georgia. That's you know obvious. Uh, in fact, a lot of and some other teams are rooting for Auburn against Georgia this week uh, as well. But you know, there's a, and you know Alabama obviously you know they want. They would love for Texas A&M to upset Georgia next week also. They would love for Southern Miss to finish well in Conference USA, et cetera. So, you know, all your teams that are from 4 to 10, go look at who you played and start rooting for those teams in their upcoming games, and it'll work itself out. Well, and, and we know that Minnesota right now begins with Iowa this week, and I believe they still have Wisconsin before they play Ohio State potentially in a Big Ten championship game so that will improve their strength of schedule and obviously I I said this earlier I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the same opportunity this is easy if Minnesota runs the table they're undefeated they're gonna be in the playoff as the Big Ten champ and it's no different than than Baylor right now as the last unbeaten Big 12 team if they beat Oklahoma this week run the table win the Big 12 championship game they're not gonna be denied by one loss teams they're going to get in, so it's a matter now of you've got to go win your games if you're them. Um, and, and then we have Clemson still undefeated, LSU still undefeated, and Ohio State still undefeated. And I agree with you, because obviously Ohio State would theoretically play an unbeaten Minnesota in the championship game, and then it's a matter of if the other ones can finish undefeated or not. It will sort itself out. Where, where it gets crazy, obviously, is if LSU takes a loss or Ohio State and Minnesota uh, uh, both take a loss, Baylor, let's say, loses to Oklahoma this week, and we got a whole bunch of one-loss teams. Then we have what I like to often refer to as one-loss mayhem. It has been that way for years in the BCS system and now in the college football playoff system that if we got five, six, seven teams with one loss, good luck. Good luck trying to get one spot or two spots. Good luck with trying to figure it out. So we'll uh, we'll see how that part uh, sorts out. In terms of that Baylor uh, team, I know they have Oklahoma this week. I know you're not taking them because you've already tipped me off. You're not taking them for Three Dog Thursday. 
what kind of realistic chance do you give them to finish undefeated, the Baylor Bears? And maybe you think they're going down this week against Oklahoma to end it right now. Well, um, I do like Oklahoma to beat them, but, you know, if they are to survive that one, you know, they've got Texas next week. And, and you know, we all know that Texas has, has been dealing with a lot of personnel losses on the, the defensive side of the ball and, and aren't as strong as they were, or in, you know, back in September, but they still got Ellinger. And they, you know, Baylor, you know, by beating, if they, if obviously, uh, they beat Oklahoma and Texas, you know, that's going to give them a, a, a big bump. And um, I don't know how that would lead the Big 12 standings in terms of who they would play in the Big 12 championship game, but I would imagine it would, you know, be either maybe Oklahoma or uh, Case. No, Case State just lost to Texas. That right. Might, I don't. I'm not really sure what the Big 12 standings are. I mean, if they were to have two wins over Oklahoma and one over Texas, um, I think they would be, you know, top four worthy. And I think it was Reese Davis who brought it up last night. Minnesota could almost lose one of these games as long as it's to Iowa or uh, Wisconsin, and as long as they win the others and beat Ohio State, they might would still even have a chance with one loss because their strength of schedule is about to make get a massive, massive bump with Wisconsin, Iowa, and potentially and probably Ohio State. Right, very good. And so right now it is uh, Baylor unbeaten. It is Oklahoma with the one loss in the Big 12, and then Texas is the next team at, at number three with two losses, and then Oak State and K-State at three losses each, along with Iowa State. And Oklahoma living very dangerously right now, uh, having blown the lead virtually last week and having to hang on for dear life by their fingernails to stop the two-point conversion by Iowa State after giving up a 35-14 halftime lead at home. So uh, we'll see if the Sooners rise to the occasion here with game day in town, primetime game in Waco, Baylor trying to get to 10-0 on a magical run late in the year. Uh, We will see how that goes for sure. Brian Edwards is with me. It's Three Dog Thursday. We've got some underdog predictions. Uh, Where do you want to begin? I I believe you want to begin right now, if they're listening to us on Thursday, with a Thursday night college underdog. Who is it? Give it to me. Let's go with the North Carolina Tar Heels, plus four at Pittsburgh. So, all of North Carolina, eight of North Carolina's nine games this year have been one possession games. The only outlier was when they uh, beat Georgia Tech by 17. Uh, when they've been an underdog of more than three points, they are 3-0 and uh, against the spread. Uh, perhaps most important, uh, since Pitt came into the ACC, North Carolina, and there have been a couple lean North Carolina. I mean, Fedora had some really strong teams, but he also had some lean ones here lately. Uh, yet they have beaten Pitt every uh, six games in a row, and they played every year, uh, and they've gone uh, excuse me five and one against the spread. And you know, Mac Brown got the true freshman Sam Howell, yep. four star recruit. He got him in, in in early for the spring. He pretty much named him the starter, like you know, after spring practice all summer long. This true freshman is going to be our guy from the get go, and he has been as advertised. He's thrown for two thousand four hundred seventy two passing yards. A 26 to 5 TDI and T ratio. Yep. And even better here recently, last five games, 19 to 3 TDI and T ratio. I think it's a toss up game. I think North Carolina's got a good chance to win outright. 
and I'll take him plus four at Pitt on Thursday. I've been watching him, and he does not play like a freshman. And that was originally, and you know that we're both in Florida. You're in the you're in the western uh, panhandle of Florida. I'm here in west central Florida, and the Florida State fans were distraught. That's one way to describe them. Uh, when he reneged on the verbal commitment to come to Tallahassee and chose North Carolina instead. And now we see why. He has been brilliant, including beating Miami in the closing seconds, um, in- including looking uh, fantastic with all these big pass days that he's been having. They almost nipped Clemson as well. Shoulda, coulda, woulda behind Sam Howell. So North Carolina's look good. All right, so that is doggy number one. I'm curious on the Saturday slate. Give me an underdog that stands out above the rest. Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com. What do you like? All right, Tulane at Temple. I made Temple a one-point favorite. And they are a six-point underdog. Now, this is not a, a play against necessarily Tulane, I, although I'm, I'm convinced they're overpriced here. I mean, I love me some Willie Fritz. This Tulane team has been pretty good to me <laughs> this year. But, but uh, you know, Temple has been outstanding as a home underdog going back even, you know, toward the latter stages of Matt Rule's tenure. They are 10-3 and three against the spread with seven outright wins uh, in its last 13 games as a home underdog. Even at home this year, the Owls are 4-1, and one, both straight up and against the spread. Um, I know Georgia Tech and Maryland are down, but they've beaten a pair of Power 5 teams and most uh, impressively beat, you know, handed Memphis its only loss of the year. And Tulane has lost outright in three of its four road assignments. I don't, you know, I could, I could see Tulane maybe be favored by two and a half or three. Six, I don't really get this. Uh, you know, I mean, it's cold here in Northwest Florida, and it's cold in New Orleans, but it's a lot more cold up in Philly. So uh, <laughs> the Tulane boys will be a little out of their element there. I like Pimple, Pimple plus the six, and I'm, I'll, I'll um, suggest a you know a little small nibble maybe on a, a money line. I'm sure I'm sure you probably get plus one eighty five, maybe plus one ninety. Now, earlier on the podcast, Chris Giannini of the Winning Cures Everything podcast was on here, and he was touting Temple the same way. I'm going to say the same thing to you that I said to him. I saw that Temple team the other night here in Tampa on a Thursday night against uh, Charlie Strong's USF team. And, Char- you know, look, Charlie's struggling. USF's offense is struggling, but they completely shut the Bulls down. They couldn't run the ball. Now you come home and you're getting points. Very attractive dog. That's a doggy in the window at holiday time in the pet store. It's off. It, it's awful if you've got kids because that doggy's just too attractive to pack, pass up, and the kids are going, "Please, can't we have that dog?" You're kind of the same way with the Temple Owls uh, coming this weekend as an underdog. All right, so that's it for your college dogs. Before we get to the NFL, I like. Auburn in this spot with Georgia. I know you're a big SEC guy. You had LSU last week. You've come through with several SEC underdogs with us uh, here on the program, um, including taking the uh, the Gators a couple of times successfully um, in the SEC. What about Auburn and Georgia here? Because you rarely get Auburn, as we've been talking about on the podcast, as a home dog here. And I know there's some injury question marks for them midweek before we get to Saturday, Brian. Yeah, um, Malzahn is 4-0 uh, against the spread with two outright wins, his last four as a home dog. Uh, I'm a heavy lean here to Auburn, and, I, and it's probably going to be one of my plays, but I, I'm, I'm not pulling the trigger until I get the definitive word on Marlon Davidson. Um, he, he missed the last game. Uh, he was 
uh, second in the SEC. In fact, he'll, he's still like third or fourth with, with five and a half. He's one of the best pass rushers in the country, and he's good against the run. He's their senior. Uh, they play him outside and inside. He can play D-tackle or D-N. He's questionable, and so is Jatarvius, uh, quote-unquote, Booby Whitlow, the running back who was second in the SEC in rushing yards before he got injured against Florida. This was the game they had been eyeing for him to to come back, and I think he's practicing. I just he hasn't gotten the 100% green light. Um, he's not. I think Davidson is a little more important here. And let's not forget, um, Auburn's had two weeks to prepare here, which is good for your freshman quarterback. And uh, you know, Bo Nix has been you know up and down, but he passes my eye test. I mean, he, he, you know, he's a true freshman still. And I mean, you know, the mistakes he made at the swamp and at tiger stadium and Baton Rouge, you know, that's kind of expected for a true freshman. I think he'll be better at home. And, um, again, the two weeks, if, and if they get Davidson, if he's upgraded to probable, I, and I might just be on him anyway, but I'm just kind of waiting to see on these two injuries, heavy lean to Auburn. And he'll probably be a play of mine. Very interesting SEC scenario that's already been laid out. We were also, again, I keep referencing earlier in the podcast that Auburn gets Georgia at home and in a couple of weeks the Iron Bowl at home. Could they screw it up for the Bulldogs and the Tide for a chance at the college football playoff by handing them both a second loss? Let's see. Let's see how it begins to play out in the SEC. You have one more underdog, and you said to me, NFL, and I want to go NFL quickly so I think I know where you're going here on Three Dog Thursday. What about it? Let, let's go Bears. Uh, I'm seeing uh, plus six, six and a half against the Rams. We all know the Rams don't have much of a home field advantage. I mean, I know you were out there in Tampa Bay, hung 55 on them. They also <laughs> lost by double digits to uh, the Niners at home. Um, look, right now the Rams are struggling, with, which is, you know, that Super Bowl runner-up syndrome the next year. They've lost four of their last six. The only wins were over my sorry Falcons, who, who somehow right. came alive last week. <laughs> and then uh, the other win was over uh, Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati, yeah. right, at the, at the London game. Right. Yeah, and now they lose their starting center and their offensive tackle last week. Brandon Cook's not looking good to go again. So they're dealing with injuries. And, look, I know Trubisky's a little scary, but I love the Bears' defense and especially their D-line against a Rams O-line missing a couple of starters sounds attractive to me. So I'm going to go to the Bears. I'm not going to recommend money line, but I I like the Bears plus the six or six and a half. And And if it's six and a half, might as well buy it to seven by that half point to seven if you can yeah and the uh and chris giannini of the winning cures everything podcast equally like the bears for a lot of what you were saying the injuries to the rams uh and the and the bears may may play above themselves as they're trying to hang in in the nfc north race right now with the packers uh, and the Vikings, I just don't know the Rams back home uh, st- trying to keep pace themselves with San Francisco and Seattle in that one. I know you really, this is what I was leading to, and I was surprising that I was surprised you didn't take it. You really like Pittsburgh in the Thursday night game. And again, you may be listening later in the weekend and you already know what happened with Steelers and Browns, Thursday night football, as well as Brian's pick of taking North Carolina and the points against Pitt in the college game on Thursday night in the ACC. So uh, you, you like Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, not Pitt in college. 
uh, to to put it on Cleveland. What a job Mike Tomlin has done coaching that team with no Roethlisberger, with uh, with no James Conner, uh, with new guys on the defense, including uh, acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick, and yet they just continue to win. And, and Cleveland has kind of uh, fallen flat this year. So that's a very interesting Thursday night game whenever they're listening to us on Three Dog Thursday for that matchup. Yeah, I like the Steelers, and I I will recommend Moneyline here. I think they'll win. Um, You know, they've won, uh, well, the last eight games, they've beaten Cleveland seven times. They had the tie last year. Uh, Steelers are 6-1 and against the spread in their last seven. The only non-cover was that Monday night game when they were laying 14 to Miami, and they won by 13. And the defense has just been terrific. Cleveland, you know, rallied last week. They get their first win at home, but they're still 0-3-1 against the spread at home, and they're 0-4-1 against the spread in their last five. Now, Pittsburgh's defense playing lights out. To be honest, I wish Tomlin would go to Devlin Hodges. I wish he would go because Rudolph is not playing very well, but, yeah, they're still winning, so whatever. But uh, I think Hodges is that, and I love to Rudolph at Oak State. But, yeah, regardless of whoever it is, the quarterback – it's about the Steelers' defense and the Browns just being the Browns. I, I know the short week <laughs> favorites the home team, but I'll I'll ignore that. I rarely I don't like to go with road teams on the short week, but uh, it's the Browns and the Steelers are hot, so I will. We'll see how Thursday night football plays out. And again, this man going with North Carolina on Thursday, Temple on Saturday in college, and also likes the Bears in the Sunday night game with the Rams. Tell them more about all your information because you are constantly tweeting away with injury updates, uh, stats, and et cetera for all of your stuff on your site, your social media. So, Brian, plug away on where they can find you if they're hearing us here on the podcast. Oh, thanks, TJ. I appreciate you, brother. Let's go. Um, my Twitter is at Vegas B Edwards. Uh, you can find my uh, my writing and some YouTube videos on MajorWager.com. And um, I've not been updating it a whole lot lately, but I have my own website, BrianEdwardsSports.com. Uh, if you ever want to shoot me an email to ask about games, it's B-R-I-A-N-E dot Edwards11 at gmail.com. As always, TJ, enjoyed it. Hopefully these dogs will be barking again this week. This man was woof, woof, two for two a week ago. And again, go to MajorWager.com for all the updates, including on game days, on Saturdays and Sundays. He's tweeting away and updating on his site. What are the injuries? What are the conditions? Etc. Etc. So, Let's see how it all plays out. Brian Edwards, thank you. Good luck with the underdogs, my friend. Thanks, TJ. Have a great weekend, buddy. Yes, indeed. Underdogs flying every which direction. It is Three Dog Thursday. We are devoted exclusively to the pooches, the hounds. And again, I I can't emphasize this enough. A week ago... You know, a lot of time with a blind leading the blind on Three Dog Thursday. A week ago, six, six college football underdogs given to you on this show. One Friday night by Sean Green. Five more Saturday by me and my colleagues here handing out the dogs. So we got something to live up to. And speaking of Sean Green, he's like MIA. I don't know if he is off counting his winnings in a third world uh, country or what he is up to. But Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast, despite 
Uh, knocking it home last week with the Tulsa upset of UCF on Friday night as an underdog, as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog, thank you, and got the win. And despite going against my Bucks and going with the Arizona Cardinals and getting the four-and-a-half and getting that cover late in the game, Sean not here, but the very able, the very capable replacement is his partner in crime on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Ryan Kramer is with me. Uh, inaugural voyage here, rookie appearance on Three Dog Thursday. Ryan, how you feeling? I'm hoping I'm not going to turn out to be one of those quad A players and just not not up for the challenge when I get called up to the big leagues. But <laughs> with with Sean off in the woods uh, <laughs> on some sort of vision quest uh, to try to save the Eagles' season, uh, I am here. I, I have brought the dogs. Good. Good. Is there any confirmation that he ducked the show because he was not going to take uh, the Eagles this week on on the show, and that may have something to do with it? Because uh, I I don't ever see the man in anything other than Eagles garb. I don't know if he Ryan does he own anything besides Eagles shirts and hats and that kind of stuff. He may have a Flyers jersey somewhere in there, but yeah, yeah, he's I mean he's Philly through and through. So what are you going to do? He can't help himself. I understand. All right, so now that we've bashed him enough not being here, again, Sean has come up with at least two underdogs on four consecutive appearances on the show. So uh, good stuff that he's been giving us. I look forward to Ryan's underdogs in a moment. Before we get there, I need a West Coast perspective because Ryan is obviously based in Los Angeles where Sean is. They host the Sports Gambling Podcast, and they have an entire podcast network of gambling shows off Sports Gambling Podcast. Um Give me a give me a left coast perspective here on the college football playoff rankings. Previous guests have weighed in. It is LSU one, Ohio State two. Uh, Clemson pops in now at three after the Alabama loss, and Georgia is four, Alabama five, and lurking Oregon and Utah with one loss each, right behind Alabama. What's your take on the committee's second rankings reveal, Ryan? Uh, I mean, it's very clearly defined that they just like the SEC. I think you look up and down this, the standings and you see Georgia with one loss. Uh, meanwhile, Oregon's one loss, much better. Why are they down there? I am not a Pac-12 sympathist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really any – if anything, I'm an ACC sympathist. But this, this is ridiculous. What they're doing is they're essentially looking into the crystal ball and they're saying, well, things are going to work their, their way out anyway because Oregon and Utah are going to play each other. I just hate that Alabama's up there because it just, they're, they're, just, they're just finding a way to keep Alabama in the playoff because Alabama means so much to college football. Personally, I have a lot of friends that are Pac-12 guys, and I would be furious. It's absolutely ridiculous that, to me, Alabama – they got they got beat. They you got to drop right. them a little bit. Georgia, you got beat. They beat they got beat by a bad team. Oregon and Utah need to be ranked over these teams. Uh, I'm uh, you know, I know Sean was very high on Oregon before the season. I'm I was quite high on Utah. It's going to be a real shame if the Pac-12 uh, gets boxed out of this situation. Do you believe on that point? If Oregon were to run the table and the only loss is neutral field, last second to Auburn, all the way back on Labor Day weekend, do you believe they would be denied 
over an Alabama team, let's say, that has the one loss and didn't even play in the SEC title game. Do you believe that injustice will happen? It makes a lot of sense to me that Alabama shouldn't make it because you're not even playing in your own conferences postseason. But the, co- the, the committee has shown me they do the wrong thing every time. So <laughs> while I think Oregon deserves to be in there, I am confident that the committee will screw this up. And that's why what we talk about over on the Sports Gambling Podcast all the time, we need a 16-team playoff. Ten conference winners, six wild cards, the rest is history. It would be a lot of football. It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of football in December and January. It would be interesting. See, but I'm one of those that loves the screaming. They they love the screaming. We were talking earlier in the podcast. They love they love the anger over why is Georgia in there? Why is Oregon not in there? How in the world is Baylor not even in the the top eight of this conversation? Even though they're undefeated, they want that screaming. It fuels the sport. It fuels it for everybody to watch the following weekend. They get it. I, I believe it is intentional uh, when they're doing those votes like you alluded to earlier in our conversation that they look at this and say more people are going to be angry if alabama's five than if alabama's eight right ryan i mean it's common sense i gotta i gotta be honest with you i am i i get it right any press is good press the problem is this is the same group of people that try to pretend like they created a playoff for the first time people want to watch football more than they want to argue about how these people are wrong about football in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, it, it, they, should, they shouldn't do the – I understand why they do the rankings early because ESPN is involved and they want the, the ratings and all that. They want this big reveal Tuesday. But come on, just, just do it at the end of the year. This is ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous that an undefeated team could be ranked under a two-loss team. <laughs> and yet they do it all Period. the time. Like, and they do it all the time. They do it year after year. Tr- right. Try to explain to a – child like me trying to explain this to my child would be nearly impossible that shows you how poorly planned it is and you know i love that more and more coaches are speaking out uh, sean and myself actually will be up in pullman washington taking in a washington state game and it, i love coaches like coach leach who are just outward just saying this system is stupid we need a playoff meanwhile you see the Nick Sabans of the world, the coaches who benefit from this system, Dabo Sweeney, who are like, nah, the system's fine. Why do we need more games? So, I, don't I, know. I understand. There's a different viewpoint, and I love it. From a Ryan Kramer Sports Gambling Podcast, are you ready to roll the sleeves up? You ready to go? Underdogs, you ready here? Ready. Where do ready you want to go? Let's start college football, the buffet in front of you, my friend. Give me one. Well, it was Veterans Day on Monday, so let's stick to one of our great, great military institutions as Navy takes to the road, heads into South Bend to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I love Navy in this spot. I absolutely love them. They have covered 12 of the last 14 in South Bend, and as everyone knows, they run the triple option. They're very good at it, and they have the number one rushing offense in the country. What everyone doesn't know is that their quarterback, Perry, is the number seven quarterback in the country in efficiency. In passing the football, this is a different Notre Dame team. This is a Navy team. I'm sorry, this is a different Navy team coming off the bye. And while Notre Dame has stood up to some tests this year, I just watched them play my Hokies, and this is not a team contending for a playoff spot, in my opinion. I think you take the points here. I've seen this number anywhere from seven and a half to nine. 
I especially think you sprinkle that money line of plus 275. Well, and it started, it opened as 11, and you're right. A lot of the places we're looking, it's now 7.5 or even 7. So obviously the betting public has bet that line down, believing in Navy. And you're right. You uh, you kind of undersold your bitterness. I came on uh, one of your sports gambling podcasts, one of your DFS shows, uh, fantasy shows, and your, your, <laughs> your bitterness, your anger for uh, Virginia Tech not being able to win, for the refs with a couple of questionable calls. Notre Dame pulls it out in the final minute. What a shock was coming through but that that game may have sounded a real alarm bell here that Notre Dame is not who we thought that they maybe were when they hung with Georgia earlier in the year and Navy may be able to get them with the triple option and and uh, and outfight them here and I'll, I'll take you one one step further I don't think Georgia is that good I think the SEC East is just getting carried by the term SEC and I think People are valuing this loss to Georgia like it was a good thing for Notre Dame. I don't think it is. Uh, I, I faded Notre Dame last week incorrectly against Duke. Uh, f- figured they would lay an egg. I, I, I just think it's, it's tough to deal with a triple option. As a, as a fan of Virginia Tech, I watched the Hokies play Georgia Tech year in and year out. And no matter what, it was always difficult to take on that triple option on, a, on one week. Notre Dame did not have a bye before this game. I think they will struggle, not to mention – and I hate to go long-winded on the triple option, mm-hmm. but when you're a defender, you do not like getting your knees dove at by these undersized linemen. And I, I think there's a potential effort situation. If, if Navy gets out to a good start, I don't expect Notre Dame to bounce back, and I don't expect them to handle the adversity well. So I, I, love, the, I love the opportunity for a big money line dog here. Definitely All love right. the points. Beautiful on Navy, and you're going to move to a Big Ten doggy, and this might need a little explaining here. Who do you like out of the upper Midwest where it's gotten very chilly midweek while we're taping Three Dog Thursday? Some would look at your underdog that you're about to take and say, this is a cold pooch right here, a cold hound. What doggy do you like? Well, the key to, the key to a good dog is that the public hates it, too. And what did the public just watch <laughs> Michigan State do? Blow a 27-point fourth-quarter lead against a trash Illinois team. That's all right. Guess what? They were looking ahead to Michigan. They were thinking about Michigan the following week. They were thinking about John, Jim Harbaugh, my apologies, and his khaki pants. <laughs> and if there's, one, if there's a Harbaugh I despise, it's Jim Harbaugh. This Michigan team has routinely underperformed with him at the helm. And, oh, by the way, D'Antonio back against the wall as a coach. His job is in question. Are you kidding me? I fully expect him to continue his dominance against the spread against Michigan here. As he is 9-1 in the last 10 against the spread in this matchup. Give me the public school I know they're both public schools, but one of them is closer to a private school in Michigan. Apology, Michigan alum. But give me the blue-collar public school, Michigan State Spartans, to get it done. Plus 14. And again, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised to see them win this game outright. Wow. As currently, I see a breakout of, while only 25% of the tickets being printed are on Michigan State, over that represents over 50% of the dollars wagered that tells me sharp action is coming in on Michigan state this number is 14 now i expect that to go down if you like michigan state take them early and sprinkle that money line which is tj you're not going to believe it 
425. Mm, how about that? Well, it's just because of that fourth quarter last week. They were in command, and then it's almost like they took nerve gas in between the third and the fourth quarter, and Illinois put a put a bomb on them, put a 90-plus yard interception return on them, and then scored in the final minute of the game to beat them in East Lansing. And this is a serious dog that Ryan Kramer is going with from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Now on the road at their rival, but I love that stat about D'Antonio and whether they can pull it out. I love this dog. I love it. And and we have on the Sports Gambling Podcast, we have something we call the close your eyes special. It's in the NFL. It's when a team underperforms the spread by 21 points and they're a dog the following week. We call it the close your eyes special because it's so gross you don't want to look at it. And sometimes the best dogs are so gross you don't want to look at them. But that that tells you that no one else is betting on them. And there's nothing better than an unpopular dog. There you go. Close your eyes, hold your nose, and take Michigan State (laughs) in this one. Uh, uh, All right, so let's move to the National Football League. And I'm curious uh, here again with uh, we've begun to learn some things uh, about the NFL. Then we see bizarre things like the Atlanta Falcons come off a bye week at 1-7 and and beat New Orleans at New Orleans and dominate them. I mean, go figure. Who had that? You talk about close your eyes, close your nose, put a bag over your head to take the Atlanta Falcons, and yet, Ryan, they got it done. So on the heels of something like that, You've got some significant underdogs this week. What do you like? Give me a team. I'm I'm going to the great state of Florida, your great state of Florida, where I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. There is nothing worse. A couple weeks back, I stated the Dolphins. Guess what? Josh Rosen gets hurt. Fitzpatrick comes back in the game, and I'm like, that's it. I'm cooked. (laughs) What does he do? Covers the spread. Now, we saw them play the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago where they were close to 17-point dogs at closing time. What did they do? They lost the game by 10 on the road. Now, what does Josh Allen and this reeling Bills team have to do? They have to head to the road. Upstate New York, it's cold. It's snowing already. People are jumping through tables. What's going on down in South Beach? 80 degrees, humidity, party time. I love this spot for Miami and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know you probably say, hey, the spread has adjusted a lot. We've seen, we've seen that adjustment down from 17 to, to six, six and a half. That's okay. I love Fitzpatrick as a dog here. I love this team. Five and zero oh against the spread in their last five. Won their last two outright. Uh, in fact, hard to believe it, but they are undefeated in the month of November. Uh, I just, I love what this team is with Ryan Fitzpatrick and it almost seems like this is a big FU to ownership. They're like, you know what? You're going to get rid of all of our players. We're going to get this done. We're going to, we're going to throw Gatorade on our coach when he wins his first game. And then we're going to back that up with another win. I think Josh Allen is too, he, he's too loosey goosey with the football. They can't stop the run. This, this staunch Buffalo defense can't stop the run. And I think, I think Fitzpatrick gets it done in a thriller Miami wins by three. Well, and we were talking earlier with Jason Cole on the podcast, uh, who has covered the Dolphins for a long time, uh, national national NFL writer, writes now for FloridaFootballInsiders.com. 
And I point blank asked him, what what in the name of tanking for Tua is going on if you look as horrible and as ill-prepared uh, as they did and as talentless as they did for the first seven games for you to now turn around and start winning games at the end and ruin the draft position? But he basically said what you said is that these guys are, are professionals. They're playing with pride. They, they start sensing we can maybe win this one. If if they put it together and beat Buffalo, that's three straight wins off the horrific uh, 0-7 start. You can kiss the top three probably goodbye in the draft. But I don't I don't know that these Dolphin guys care, and that's kind of your point too. The guys that are out there playing, they may they may go get this this third win in spite of what everybody wants on the tank at the end of the season. I, I think I mean just the fact that it's the total you know blue collar guys down on the floor just flipping off management up in the office. <laughs> I, I love I love that angle and I love like Ryan Fitzpatrick while he did go to an Ivy League school, he kinda his beard and his 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 persona in the NFL today, he is he is that blue collar guy. And I like I like the chemistry he's built with Devontae Parker. I, I just like the way this team is playing. And, and, I, and I like the way the and Bills their de- can lose games with the best of them. Well and their defense has played better, which is your point too. Their defense the last couple of weeks against the Jets and in the win over Indianapolis has played better, and they're at home against an offense that's inconsistent with Josh Allen trying to throw the ball. He's better with his wheels right now. So this may be a spot uh, for the Dolphins. Interesting that all three Florida NFL teams are dogs. The Dolphins at home, the Bucks at home with the Saints, the Jaguars, who I like, at Indianapolis. They're all underdogs for this week. We'll see how it all plays out. It is the Sports Gambling Podcast. Find them, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, the sportsgamblingpodcast.com, gambling podcast on Twitter. Uh, Love Ryan Kramer's insight. He is Kramer-centric on Twitter. He's one of the co-hosts with Sean Green. Can you bash Sean anymore in our final few moments before we get out of here? Anything else that we want to rip him about in his absence here since he didn't post? Even though he's been winning, it's one thing if you were losing and hiding, we'd understand understand but he's winning and he blows the show off ryan but you're here in his stead and you've got some underdogs on the program you're ready to go this week i'll tell you why it's not a big deal you know who's been feeding sean all these juicy dogs all these weeks <laughs> let Pulling me back guess the curtain. let it's me guess your boy ryan real money kramer so. <laughs> let me guess there you've we been go. Helping him. all right so he's got <laughs> navy he's got michigan state the ugly don't you know put a bag over the head and don't look at it underdog and then the Miami Dolphins at home. Ryan, it was a treat to have you on. Uh, we encourage everybody to go find the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, wherever, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Go subscribe, rate it, find you guys. And you've got other stuff going on with fantasy and other sports as well besides football on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So we love that. Ryan, good luck with the underdogs. Thanks for hanging out with me on Three Dog Thursday. Good luck. Take care. And that will do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks again to all of our different guests. We talked with Chris Giannini all the way back at the beginning of the podcast, Winning Cures Everything podcast with his underdog selections. Jason Cole, longtime national NFL writer, writing now for FloridaFootballInsiders.com, covering the prominent uh, NFL and college teams in the state of Florida. He's got some uh, opinions always on the games, especially the NFL games coming off the weekend. We thank Jason for being on the show. Brian Edwards from BrianEdwardsSports.com and MajorWager.com. 
outstanding handicapper. Let's see what he uh, comes up with for his underdogs from this week. And Ryan Kramer was just with us there from the Sports Gambling Podcast as well. Bevy of guests and a lot of different handicapping and a lot of different picks. Again, I'm going to go with Auburn against Georgia, taking those three points in the SEC showdown at Auburn. I, too, like Navy at Notre Dame, just like Ryan Kramer here at the end of the podcast. I'll take Navy and the points right now, getting seven and a half midweek before the matchup uh, with the Fighting Irish in the NFL. Again, I like Jacksonville with Nick Foles back at quarterback, as we were talking about with Jason Cole. That run game, the strong defense. Looks like Jacoby Brissett may try to play in this game, the quarterback for the Colts. I'll still take the Jaguars, even if Brissett plays in Indianapolis to come off the bye week and get the win. We'll find out what happens there with those underdogs. Good luck to all of those at play. Again, follow this show on Twitter at 3Dog Thursday. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. However you found the show through a social media link, etc., go subscribe to the show, rate it, and review it. Spread the word about Three Dog Thursday. Again, last week we gave you eight underdogs, six of them in college football. A hit, and we're correct, including a bunch of outright winners. Let's see what happens with the doggies for this week. That'll do it for this edition of the show. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.